Hi there, welcome to Let's Talk Tottenham. And unfortunately now, even though I've conceded the season is over, I've been trying to be positive all the way through that we'd still be in this top four race. With beating Leeds, I'm still adamant we were in that top four race, but alas, that's not to be. So three games left, not really anything to play for. In terms of the game, Leeds absolutely deserved to win it, showed much more desire than our players. Tactics as well, I thought our fullbacks were exposed time and time again. Uh, there's no galvanising of the team and no no anything like that. I'm trying to drive the team forward from the players. VAR doesn't help. Uh, but then we have to talk about Kane. What does he do now? When, what do we do now in the, in the close season? New manager, still not any of the wiser on that. So talk about all that and more on Let's Talk. Season officially over. Hi there. Unfortunately, another disappointing game to talk about. As we know, the Leeds game. I'm adamant that we'd have been four points behind Leicester, who have got Chelsea, Man United and us in the last three games. Uh, we'd have definitely been in that top four race if we'd have won that, and that's what's disappointing. We, we've been here time and time again this season. Every time we have a chance to get in the top four, we mess it up, we don't show up, we, we don't show any desire, it's just, oh, every time. Uh, there must be about five examples of this. People say we're not in the top four race. I, I think there seems to be a misconception, certainly on Twitter, that, you know, going to get top four and being in the top four race are the same thing. They're not at all being in the top four race. Uh, I'm adamant we'd have been in the top four race, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think we would have got top four. I think even if we'd have won yesterday, we're complete outsiders still. But we'd have definitely given ourselves a chance. We, we got a fairly easy run in on paper. Uh, but now, it doesn't matter. Uh, yet again, we just didn't show up when it needed. And I mean, fair. let's say this first off, Leeds deserved that win. You know, the team that won deserved the win. They, they, they had the better, more desire. Certainly that first half, they were superb. Uh, tactics by Bielsa and substitutions worked a treat and, and, you know, changed the game. And when he brought them on, it then changed the game and put it back into their favour and then into their control. Whereas we just looked completely lost. I, I can't remember who the commentator was, but I think... Oh, it's McManaman, wasn't it? I, I don't really agree with him on anything, really. But it, I think he summed it up perfectly. Whereas Leeds looked like a team, we just looked like a load of individuals who were forced together to try and do something. And yeah, I mean, Leeds absolutely deserve that. They've been a fresh breath, breath of fresh air this season. Uh, entertaining to watch. I don't think they'll change next season, and they'll still be entertaining. And, you know, they know exactly what they are and what they're good at. And that's the, the tactics that are set up by Bielsa. And that's what they do. And then they score goals and they're entertaining. And, and I think they're ninth now. But for, you know, so when you're looking at manager of the year contenders, Bielsa has to be a, 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 a candidate there. I mean, it will obviously go to Pep because he'll win the league and the media seem to love him. But, you know much as I hate to say it, Moyes at West Ham, he, he's got to be in with a mention. Uh, Dean Smith at Villa, well, based on where both of those teams were last season. But then I guess if if, if you're 
comparing the two, it has to go to Moyes because he's done better than Dean Smith. But Bielsa, certainly, team just going up, massive pressure on Leeds. They're a huge club going back into the Premier League and to get them finishing looking lightly the top half, absolutely superb, and playing good football as well. Uh, Bamford, I, I mean, I'll be absolutely astonished if he's not in the squad for the Euros. I mean, but I, I do think, unfortunately, there's a good chance he won't be because Kane's obviously going, Kane's obviously going, Vardy will go, and I think he'll probably bring Rashford, I think it's too early for Greenwood. So that's three. I'm not sure he'll bring in a fourth, but Bamford does everything he wanted in a forward. He can hold it up. He's got good feet. There, there was a, a Leeds chance where he flicks it onto his left and his right and then passed it. And then confidence is sky high for him as well. So if he doesn't go, I'll be absolutely amazed. But I think there's a good chance that I will be amazed. But yeah, I, I thought tactically as well. I mean, Mason is a young manager, completely inexperienced, and the tactics that I think we, he got wrong are exactly the same tactics that Mourinho got wrong time and time again. He was an experienced manager, and that's the fullback situation. So we obviously have the four up top, Kane in the middle, Ali uh, in the number ten, but then it's it's Son and Bale who were the wide players. So they were obviously told not to track back and help out, just stay forward. Uh, in the same way that uh, they were told, I think, by Mourinho against uh, Tierney and Odegaard in the Arsenal loss. And what that happened, what that results in, is the fullback being absolutely ripped to shreds and constantly under pressure. And Aurier, as we know, is probably targeted anyway because he's likely to do something stupid and give away a penalty or make a mistake. And he's got no help there. So... I think it was the second goal, there was the overlap there, and, and he's got no chance there. I mean, you can argue that Dyer should be moving to try and cut it out because he knows where it's going, but we'll come on to Dyer a bit later on. But in terms of the chance being created, Aurier's got no chance there. Uh, uh, everyone on Twitter will obviously go and have a go at Aurier because they can't have a go at Bale or Son or Mason. But under Pochettino, we never had this. We never had this because we had, uh, you know, a plan B if we lost the ball when those players were forward. Walker and Rose are bombing forward. They're creating our width and, and, you know, getting forward with huge regularity. But we never, ever got caught. And I think Ericsson was a big part in that because with Ericsson in there as a playmaker and, and, you know, you're the team who are generally having the ball we seem to be a team who let the opposition have the ball and we try and break. And that's literally the plan A that we've got. We don't have a plan B. It's Ericsson in there. But then another big part was, there were different players in this, but it was it was Dyer, Wanyama, Dembele. Dembele, who I think is one of the most underrated players we've had in the Premier League, to mop up the pieces. And, and Dyer, certainly in the 16-17 season, we played four at the back with the two wing-backs there, but when we didn't have the ball, Dyer would slip back into a back three. So we still had a defensive unit there. We don't have that now. I, I, I don't know what... Hoiberg, I think, he's been fit, fairly poor, but I think he's played every game 
and he runs up and down. So he must be absolutely shattered. So I'll, I'll give him a slight pass. Uh, the Celso will come on to, I think, we need to get rid of. As much as I hate to say it, because I don't actually mind him. But none of those were dropping into a defensive unit kind of situation. So every time Aurier or Region got the ball, Sun and Bale are up top as well. And we're literally two at the back. And you can't cope with that, you, you know. But with Pochettino, we obviously he obviously knew we'd be susceptible to the counter there. So he made provisions that if we do lose the ball, we're still going to be solid. And that 16-17 season, 86 points, I think, we got, which in some seasons would be enough to win the league. And, you know... We, we didn't look to get caught at all. And I think, I, about, like I said with Mason, it's not just his fault. He's a young, inexperienced manager, and Jose did this as well. But then Bale and Son are experienced players. Hoiberg's experienced, the Celso. I don't understand when they can see, uh, it's the same in the Arsenal game with Doherty, they, they can see the fullback is being ripped to shreds. And they don't do anything. Like, you're allowed to make decisions on the pitch and you know help your buddy out because he's being ripped to shreds but all it does is give so much encouragement to the opposition that well we've got him on toast here every time we get the ball we're going to have a joy here so give me the ball every opportunity and it happens time and time again it's happened so much this season and it's just a simple tactical thing i i, I don't understand how it can constantly constantly happen and then that's where the goals came from. The, the last goal, people having to go at Aurier for going forward, trying to cut the ball out, and then he was completely out of position. We're 2-1 down in the game to try and keep ourselves in the top four race. It was always likely to happen we'd get picked off. But, you know, the first goal was awful. I can't really remember that now. But I think that was his fault. He got beaten too easily there, Aurier. He, he stood him up and then he got a yard on him. But the, the second goal, people will moan at him that I don't really know what he's supposed to do there when he's got no backup there other than foul the guy and then give away a dangerous free kick or a penalty. But as soon as that overlap came over, he had no chance. No chance at all because what does he do? Go with the overlap guy and then he's got given the, the guy with the ball a free cross in a dangerous area or do what he does, try and cut it out. And then when the ball's quite good, he's completely out and the overlap guy is completely round on the back. Uh, but then, you know, Bamford wanted it more when it came in. And that's what I talk about. There's no galvanising here. There's no, like, team spirit and, like, come on, we're in this together like there was in 16, 17 and other seasons. And the beginning of this season, there's none of that. It, it's all like, oh, God, we conceded again, game over. And it's just, yeah. I mean, Dyer was static. Outfield, I think, was as well. There were three players there who Bamford just walked in, walked in, bang, goal. And it's just so poor. It's just so poor, especially just before half-time. And yeah, we conceded that first goal, which was poor. Then we get back in, and then you're thinking, you know, OK, right, let's get control of this game now. Let's not do anything stupid. Let's get control of this game, win this game, then go on to the next one. And I think without Ericsson in there, a lot of people moaned at Ericsson and 
I can understand that. He said he wanted to leave and he was very poor for the last year. But without him and without a player like him, we just can't keep the ball. We can't string a game together. We can't run a game together. And, you know, it just creates so much pressure on the defence that the ball is always coming back. Whereas with Ericsson, when we had that team and, and Dembele as well, who you probably count on one hand in the entire time he was with us how many times he lost the ball but we were in control of every game and every midfield pretty much apart from the massive top teams obviously but games like this we were in control of those games from start to finish but now we're not at all and it's just hit and hope long ball chasing lost causes and and it just keeps coming back and there was no one uh, you know Ali's supposed to be in the number 10. I, I thought he did all right in the first half and, and, you know, tired in the second half. But it will come on to Ali in a minute. He, two good assists for goals. We'll come on to that because VAR takes precedence on one of those. But, yeah, in, in terms of stringing a game together, we don't have anyone like that other than Kane. And, and Kane, you can't expect him to come do what Ericsson did stand next to Alderville to pick the ball up to spray it out to Sun or Bale on the wing because he's a striker so we, I've, I've been saying it for months and months and months a, a playmaker is urgently needed in this team urgently needed getting rid of Ericsson not replacing him is an absolute shocker from Levy I think and it's shown on the pitch now because we're completely you know Sheffield United sat back because they, and then it became damage limitation. And they're lacking so much confidence. Leeds are a completely different animal, away from home for start. Confidence up to their eyeballs. And yeah, it was just so bad. I mean, I mean, Ali did quite well, I thought, but he's not the playmaker. The playmaker is the person who comes deep, dictates the play, and plays it forward, switches the play, you know, slows it down, speeds it up when it's needed. Ali's not that kind of player. Delhi is the, the kind of player, I think, that in the final third will be able to make a pass, which showed for our goal. Beautiful, beautifully delayed pass. Wait for the run of Kane, which was a brilliant run as well, taking the player with him. Left some completely empty, and then Ali just puts him through. I think he went, I think he nutmegged someone on the pass as well, but. You know, some players in that position would have panicked and shot or tried to pass earlier when it was too congested, but Delhi waits, 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 and then, you know, Sun does what he does. And we didn't deserve that at that point because Leeds were well on top. Um, yeah, and then you're thinking then, right, OK, let's take this game by the scruff of the neck now. This is ours for the taking now. We've got our, that goal back. We've had our warning with their goal. Nothing more stupid. And, you know, we played a little bit better after that. And then towards the end of the half, they, they turned it back on again, just targeted all the air again, and then got their goal. And then second half, we started quite well, had a few chances. Bielsa then made some changes. He brought Rafinha on, who's a brilliant player as well. And he galvanised Leeds. They then started getting control of the game back again. And then, you know... Oh, it's just an absolute uh, cock-up of all proportions this season. But, I mean, first half, it could have been completely different. How, how Kane's goal is, vowed, is, is ruled offside is... I, 
even even with the lines on when they showed that close up, I can't see that his foot is any further forward than the back of the other guy's foot. And at the very very worst, he's he's spot on level, which as anyone who's ever played football in their life knows, is on side. I will say when it went in in real time, I thought he's miles offside there. But I mean that could have changed the game. Would it have done? Possibly not because. You know, but then it could have done it. It could have done because we were winning there. Okay, let's settles us down. But then it may have galvanised Leeds, and Leeds, I think, would have just played exactly the same way anyway, and probably scored three. Well, the second goal certainly. The third goal came from us chasing the game, and they picked us off. But we'd have still needed to win that game, so there's a good chance that we would have lost three two anyway. But yeah, in terms of VAR, I mean, it's there apparently to help football and it's doing the complete opposite. <laughs> Literally, uh, he, he must have been less than a fingernail's width offside, which <laughs> it, it brought in clear and obvious. And obviously <laughs> that is not obvious because he looks level. And, and then you get other situations where Bamford gets a goal disallowed, I think, against Palace because it hits his hand or arm. His body, every part of his body that could score a goal was onside. And the, the one part of his body that was offside was one that it's a foul if you score from. So I don't understand how that can be offside. And it's just, it, you know, VAR I don't have the problem with. It's the morons who are making the decisions based on VAR. Now, in terms of offside, I don't have a problem with VAR because you know, if it's offside, it's offside. Even if it's by a millimetre, it's offside, so that's fine. The, the problem is that the, the idiots who are making these rules up for VAR are, are saying like, to referees and the, the VAR people in Stockley Park, I think it's called, if he's a millimetre offside, cancel it. And, and I mean, that's just absolutely... Fucking stupid, isn't it, really? Absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, but that's the way it is. And then, and then their third goal looked at VAR, looked pretty much level to me as well. And, you know, we don't really get all of the lines going on the screen, the blue line and the red line, which was on for about, you know, two minutes for Kane's goal. This one was, you know, a line going across, that's it, done, goal. But it looked fairly level to me as well. So, it'd be interesting in the Euros what happens with VAR because in the World Cup I thought it was actually quite good. It was the first time we'd ever seen it. I thought it was actually quite good. Uh, but in the Premier League here, it's been an absolute disgrace. And it, not the not the rules of it, well the rule not VAR in a sense because it's doing what the rules are telling it to do. But the, the, the idiots who are making the rules up and telling these people but you know and it's still open to interpretation we we wanted var because referees are open to interpretation different referees one makes a deci decision going that way and exactly the same decision another referee makes it going that way it's exactly the same with var because it's all open to interpretation and what they see certainly with red cards uh but yeah i mean that needs to be vamping in the summer absolutely needs to be vamping in the summer uh, but yeah, I mean, La Celso as well, talking about the summer. Uh, I don't mind La Celso, but 
I just don't see what he brings. I saw someone on Twitter say that he ran the, the game. I don't know what game they were watching, but I, I keep saying about a playmaker, I'll keep banging on and banging on and banging on about this. He's not a playmaker. He's essentially a less strong version of Undombele. Both of them get the ball, run with it, rather than look to spray passes along. And yeah, but I, I mean, there was one part, wasn't there, in the second half? He's got the ball on on wide. He's cut it out. And he's literally dribbled it. Must have been about ten yards out of play. I mean, this is a professional footballer. I've done that before, but I paid five pounds to play football. So that obviously shows how crap I am. This is a guy who gets paid, I don't know, 60 grand a week, let's say, and can't even, you know, everyone has a bad game like that. So that's not why I'm saying get rid of him. It, it, I don't see what, you know, Undombele, I think, is better than him. Winks, he's had a bad season, but Winks is the kind of guy, I think, that. If you need to keep the ball and, and people are uh, giving him options, he's good. I mean, he'll always go back. And uh, Carragher mentioned in the final that he, he took the easy route and always turned back. But that's confidence and, and probably fear on who we're playing. But Lacelso, I, I don't see what he put, and he's always injured. So he can, you know. So I, I do have some sympathy for him in that sense that it's not all his fault. He, he's. He never gets a run in the team because he's always injured. He plays two games, three games, then he's out for a little while and then he's back in for two, three games. But, I mean, it, it, it's no um, surprise, is it? Like, there's a, I mean, it's, it's, Pochettino said it a few years ago. We need a clear out here. We need a clear out. I'm not sure it will happen. Uh, but, yeah, I, Kane... As much as it hate, I hate to say it, but if Kane is serious about winning team trophies, he ain't going to win it at Tottenham. So if he's serious about winning team trophies, unless <laughs> unless he's got full, full, full faith in England winning the World Cup or the Euros, which I don't think we're good enough, then he has to go. I mean be devastating for us but then you know how many times have you seen a, a, the best player in a team go and then the team are better off Bale happened and then you know we were in Champions League for four seasons out of five uh, getting to a final uh, Coutinho not their best player but one of their best players Liverpool and then they go on and win a Champions League in the league but the issues that I've got with that and I've said it before is will Levy invest that money I'm not sure he will in what the team or manager needs. Uh, but in terms of Kane, on the personal level for Kane, if he wants to win those team trophies, he has to go because he's not going to win anything at top. He might win a League Cup, but I don't think he's talking about winning League Cups when he talks about team trophies. He wants leagues, Champions Leagues. Now, it could be that he doesn't actually mean that and he's just saying that to try and put the fear of God into Levy that he might leave and then Levy goes out and buys. But I think even if he hands in the transfer request, I think Levy will make it very difficult for him to leave. I think he'll slap at least a £150 million transfer budget on him. You know, there's only a handful of teams that can afford that. I think City and United are interested in him, but I think for, champ for Premiership, 
I think he'll stick another 50 million on. Because he, he won't want him going to a rival. And, and I think if Kane, uh, I don't think Kane's the kind who certainly at Spurs will force a move. You know, like the Berbatov where he refused to play and everything like that. I don't think Kane would ever do that to Tottenham. Uh, and if he runs his contract down, I think he's 31 when that runs out. Who's going to, well, people will bid for him then because it will be free. But, you know, how good a strike will he be then? Will, will he have moved more into a, a midfield kind of role? Yeah. But things could change, obviously. Tottenham could get a manager in that galvanises everyone like a Pochettino and then we, we move up and then he doesn't want to leave. But I think Levy will make it increasingly difficult for him to leave. Uh, I've seen reports saying that Levy's not entertaining any offers this summer for him, but and, and the new manager who comes in will obviously say we can't sell Kane, we need Kane here. So I, I've said before, uh, will it be someone else sacrificed to Sun, maybe sacrificed to get, I don't know, 80 million? What would you get for Sun? 60, 80 million? And then invest, but 60 million is not going to get you that much is going to get you one world-class player. Um, possibly not even that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's a huge summer for Kane. It'd be very interesting. I don't think it will happen. It'd be very interesting if England did win the Euros. He won, wins his uh, competition there. If he's, he's satisfied with that or he wants to win club trophies or that sets a fire in him that goes, wow, I love this feeling. I want more of it. I'm not going to get it with Spurs. I'm off. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot will depend on the new manager as well. I, I saw reports Inzaghi was linked, but I, I've not seen anything about it. All I've seen about that is on Twitter and people seeing it's gaining pace and looks genuine, but I, I've not seen anything about it. I don't, other than he went into Lazio, got them playing good football and winning a couple of things. I don't really know anything about him as a manager. But then my issue again is we haven't, historically done that well with managers who come from another league in. Uh, yeah, Ramos, but I know he won a cup, but then we were near the relegation zone. I do have sympathy for him because we won that cup and then Levy decided to pretty much sell his four strikers without replacing them. Uh, but Christian Gross didn't have a clue about the Premiership. Uh, I can't think of who, who else we've had. Maybe we've only had two, but the, the, you know, but the, the the managers that who have come in with Premiership experience, Villas Boas did quite well. Obviously, we were a one man team. Pochettino, everyone knows about that. Mourinho, I mean, I don't even know where I'm going with this. To be perfectly honest with you, but I, I think. A manager that doesn't have any real knowledge of how the Premiership works, I think, is a real big risk. So I've said it again before, I'll say it again, Potter for me. I know that that won't be fans' favourite. Go Potter, he's getting Brighton relegated, potentially, not relegated, but near the relegation zone, they're doing nothing. Um, but you look at the football that they play and, and you know, Look at Pochettino, like I said, they weren't doing, he wasn't doing that well with Southampton when we got him and then look where he's taken us. So I, I think that's the way to go. Parker, I'm not sure about. I think that could ruin his um, 
reputation at Tottenham if it doesn't work out. But I think he's one for the future. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there needs to be huge changes because under the Pochettino era, we had, apart from the last season, we had bottle there. You know, when we conceded the goal, you never ever thought, well, that's game over. This is, oh, this is game on now. We're, we're going to turn it on. And nine times out of 10, we did. Because now you can see the goal, game over. Uh, look at the players, the heads are down, they're not bothered, shoulders hunched and back. So it's completely changed. And, and you need a massive re rehaul. But where's the money coming from? You know, Guns and Roses been postponed, Lady Gaga boxing, rugby, which would have given us a load of money. Um, and I don't see anything changing. The new manager is just going to have to work to Levy's system. And if he doesn't like it, he gets fired like everyone else. And I don't see anything changing. And I mean, it could all change. Oh, we've got three games left and then there could be plans to re really revamp in the summer. Uh, they know who their new manager is. And they, they'll all be talking to him and talking about targets, but I don't see that. And I really hope that I'm wrong there. I really hope that I'm wrong. Thanks so much for watching. Before you go, please make sure you give the like and subscribe buttons a click. Any questions, comments, or any suggestions for future episodes, if you just add those into a comment on the YouTube video. If you're listening to the audio-only podcast, thanks so much for listening. Anyone who wants the audio-only podcast, you can get that at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcast from. Alternatively, if you go to Twitter, at LTalkTottenham, you can find all the information there. I'll be back soon. Until then, come on, you Spurs!